As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, guys? This is Alex Van Houten, the Ninja Trainer, excited today to start Lead Generation 102. In Lead Generation 101, we talked about how lead generation is not sales generation. We talked about creating and organizing your contact list. And we have a lot more topics to cover, like the ideal icebreaker, how to use your social media to your advantage, how to run effective supplement booths, engage with group fitness classes, and even out-of-the-box ideas like getting your community, your local businesses, and your church involved. But today we're going to start part one of what I believe is the most important aspect of lead generation for the personal trainers that I work with on a regular basis who want help with how to be a better lead generator, and that is overcoming the fear of lead generation. I hope you're excited. Let's dive in. First, fear is oftentimes broken down as an acronym false expectations appearing real. And while there's a little bit of positive utility that can come out of that, I want you, if you've heard that before, to scratch that from your mind completely. It was said to me once upon a time, oh, your fear is actually a false understanding or a false perception of what you see when you walk out on the fitness floor and you just need to think about it differently. That's bullshit and I'll tell you why. Fear is an important emotional response. It tells you, hey, stop for a second. This is really important. Think this all the way through. And unless you're missing a lot of brain cells, and my guess is if you're listening to this show, you're not missing many, then your fear is very well placed. It's an important emotional reaction that tells you that what you're about to do is extremely important to you and that you need to think it all the way through. And honestly, I couldn't give you a more intelligent message about lead generation than what your body and mind are telling you when it evokes some fear inside of you. Lead generation is important. 
Lead generation requires that you think your process all the way through. And the most important aspect of fear is that you don't overcome fear by thinking about it in a different way. The only clinically true way to overcome a fear is to face it over and over and over and over again, usually in small amounts at first, in progressively large amounts until you're not afraid anymore. And so we're going to walk through four different types of fears. We're only going to get through two here in part one. But each of these fears in lead generation is worth addressing one at a time, and I'm going to do so with you. And if you don't have any fear with regard to lead generation, I still encourage you to listen in because I'm going to get pretty deep into some psychological concepts here that I think you'll still benefit from. So the first fear that I want to cover is the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection has the flavor of a middle school-aged boy who's afraid to ask Susie Q out to the homecoming dance because he doesn't want her to say no and doesn't want to feel what it's like to be rejected right there. Now, for us, the consequences of being rejected during lead generation is a little bit bigger than, oh, I just didn't get to go to the prom or homecoming with Susie Q. Being rejected over and over and over again while you're trying to build a business means that you don't have the money to pay your bills and you don't get to buy the food you'd like to eat. But fear of rejection is still very real and it's still very important and so I want to address it with you and help you understand how you can overcome it and how you need to prepare yourself in order to face rejection with poise and positivity. So let me first say that being rejected can actually be a very positive thing for you. Now, this is not going to be a lecture about that which doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. What I mean to say is that if you're in the process of lead generating and you start a conversation with somebody and they're not really interested in moving forward with you as a personal trainer, it's better that you find out now rather than after spending two or three hours with this person to then be rejected in your sales process having wasted two or three hours of your time. If you approach somebody on the fitness floor to give them some free advice about how to correct their form, or you start a conversation about fitness goals, and you're rejected by the person that you're talking to, it's pretty safe to assume that with regard to the trans-theoretical model of behavior change, they're in the pre-contemplation and contemplation stage of working with a fitness professional. This is a very important thing to figure out now before you spend hours of your time working to get them involved in building value in what you can do Because as we've said on the show several times, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And rejection can be a very positive stopgap to make sure that you only spend, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes with the people in the beginning stages of behavior change and save that extra time that you have outside of that to work with the people who are really ready to make a change. The people who are in the preparation and action stages of behavior change are going to welcome your approach with open arms. After you get over the initial hump of the icebreaker and you start making great conversation, you won't have to fear rejection with the people who are in preparation and action because they really want to hear what you have to say and they're full of questions about how to be better for their own personal health and fitness. Those are the kinds of clients that you want to spend your time with and anybody who rejects you is helping you filter through the people who are not that kind of client. I will also say about that topic that even if you could sell personal training to somebody who's going to reject you on your face and might be in the pre-contemplation or contemplation stage of behavior change, you wouldn't really want to sell them training because if you have to work really, really hard to convince them that working with a trainer is the answer, then you're also going to have to work really, really hard to convince them to sleep better 
and to convince them to cut out sugar, and to convince them to do their cardio homework. And I don't know about you, but I don't like getting up at 4.30 a.m. to train a client who it's a constant battle to make them do their dang program. So remember, rejection is going to be a part of this, and rejection can be a great thing. Now, I also want you to think about everything that you reject on a daily basis. You drive by LASIK eye surgery billboards on a regular basis without even taking notice of them. Boom, you just rejected LASIK eye surgery. You walk by the guy in the grocery store who's selling newspaper subscriptions because you're really not interested in reading the newspaper. Isn't there an app for that? Boom, rejected. You answer telemarketers and tell them to take you off the do not call list. You unfollow people on Facebook. You don't like every internet meme that shows up on your newsfeed. You reject things on a regular basis. It's nothing personal. It's just that we don't have 100% of the attention in the world to be able to navigate our lives while also taking stock of everything that comes our way. And so rejection is inevitable when you're working to build a business and get the attention of people who are also navigating their lives. If health and fitness are not currently a very huge part of their program or they're not in a great place right now to take advantage of a coach or think that they really need one, then it's likely that you're going to get rejected. If there are 8 billion people in this world and 99.999% of them are going to reject you, that means there are only about 70,000 people that you might actually coach in the world today, which is a lot of potential rejection. And I would encourage you not to take that personal. There are only a few Google, Facebook, and Amazons in the world that actually get more than a .001 market share of the whole world. So rejection is going to be an inevitable part of building your business, and it's going to be very important that you learn how to deal with it, which is my next point with regard to the fear of rejection. You should be able to visualize how you're going to face rejection gracefully. Facing rejection gracefully can make sure that even if you're rejected, it's a positive experience for you and a positive experience for the person who rejects your offer on its face. I remember I was in a fitness facility and a guy walked by and I said, hey man, what are you working out today? He goes, oh, I don't want any, thanks. And I smiled, put up my hand and went to high five him and said, the only thing I'm giving out is high fives, dude. I was just curious about your workout. Have a good one. 30 minutes later, he came back to where I was and found me and said, you know what? I've been in this gym for a while. None of the personal trainers have ever talked to me before, and I really like your style. Can we set up a session? I think you can help me with my shoulder. And I was pretty surprised because I hadn't talked to him at all about what my expertise was around correcting injuries or even shown him any of the things that I can do on the fitness floor. The guy simply liked that I asked him what he was going to work out today, and when he rejected even answering me up front, I still wished him well, kept a smile on my face, and that stuck with him through his workout so that he found me 30 minutes later to start a conversation about hiring me as a trainer. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who rejects you is going to be like that, but if being rejected ruins you on the inside because you're not prepared to deal with it, then that feeling is going to show on your face in the form of nonverbal communication. The person will feel successful for having rejected you. They won't really think about it again, and they certainly won't take note of how well you handled the situation. So visualize how you're going to face rejection gracefully. For me, it's picturing the words somebody would use to reject me in the worst case scenario. Hey, you look like you're working really hard. What's the big goal? My name's Alex. Oh, no, thanks. I don't want any. For me, that's probably the worst thing somebody could say to me, simply because, one, I wasn't offering you any. Two, I don't want to be perceived as the salesman. 
And three, I work really hard to approach everybody with a genuine heart of service. And so to reject my positive energy, my expertise, and the free gift of my service can be perceived by me as a bold-faced insult. And so I need to visualize how I'm going to deal with that in order that when the time comes, I'm prepared. Hey, you look like you're working really hard. What's the big goal? My name's Alex. Oh, no thanks, man. I don't want any. Make eye contact, smile, reach your hand out to shake theirs and say, Hey, no worries, man. I'm not trying to sell anybody anything. I'm just here to help. What was your name? Awesome, Brad. Keep up the good work on the deadlift and come find me if I can be helpful. Boom, walk away. Graceful exit. If you're prepared, it's a much less negative experience for you and a possibly positive experience for the person who rejects you. And really, if that's the worst somebody can say to you and you're prepared to deal with that, it's really not that bad, is it? So now that you understand why rejection might be a good thing and that you know to expect it and to visualize the worst case scenario so you can walk away gracefully, how do you habituate yourself to it so it's not a big deal? Personally, I was very scared of rejection when I first started lead generating this way about 10 years ago. And I remember my manager at the time would say things like, well, just go try to find one appointment. You can do this all day, but as long as you get one appointment, you walk away in a good place. And honestly, that was actually very demotivating for me because you don't really have control over an outcome when you're practicing at a beginner level. It would be like me saying to my client, I know, I know you suck at pull-ups, but if you stick around all day until you get one, then we can call it a day and you can go home. Well, if my client is light years away from performing their first pull-up, then no matter how much they try today, it's just not going to happen. They need to condition the lats. They need to keep the shoulders out of the ears. They need to be able to generate the neuromuscular force required to get over the bar. And maybe they even have to get over the fear that everybody is watching them when they're on the assisted pull-up machine. And that's the same thing with lead generation. So what I did is I redefined my goal during the hour that I spent lead generating. And for me, success had to be redefined by meeting failure head on. And so instead of saying, I'm going to set one appointment every hour, or I'm going to make 10 contacts every hour, I told myself that my goal this hour was to go get five no's. If I could go spend this hour getting rejected five times, then I could feel good about having spent time actively seeking to make people a part of my lead generation process, even though I don't have control over where they're at in life, and I certainly don't have control over how quickly or well I develop my ability to break great conversations on the fitness floor and lead them into good experiences that set appointments. And then the other thing that did for me is that I measured out in my head about how many times I could be rejected before I really didn't feel like doing it anymore. And that's fair. I know you're human and every human being, unless you're just really far on the autism scale, and if you are, nothing against you just means you're way more resilient to rejection than I am. Rejection can be hard to take over and over and over again. So I went and I'd worked to get five no's. And what I thought was really fascinating about it is that even though I had a lot to learn about my process of lead generation, how to dive into great goals conversations, how to transition those conversations into appointments that allowed me to take that potential client out on a test drive and then get them connected to my training service, I found that when I went to look for five no's, more often than not, I didn't get it. The hour would end by the time I got two no's and had three great conversations. It was almost like by putting myself out there, expecting rejection and being prepared for it, I didn't get rejected nearly as often as I thought I would. 
But if you do have a day where you end up with five no's and there's only 15 minutes on the clock, I recommend you go get a cup of coffee, call your mom, do whatever it is you need to do in order to feel like a 10 again, and try again later. So now let's move on to the second fear that we're going to cover in this episode, and that is the fear of interrupting somebody's workout. A lot of personal trainers that I talk to about lead generation and work on coaching them will say, I'm really worried about interrupting somebody's workout because I don't like it when people interrupt mine. And you know what? You're right. I bet you hate getting your workout interrupted. However, what I'm going to encourage you to do with this fear is I'm going to encourage you to put yourself in the average person's shoes. Why is it that you don't like having your workout interrupted? Is it your me time? Is it because you're really enjoying your music? Is it because you know what you're doing and anybody who interrupts that thing is just messing up your rest periods? What you're experiencing when you work out in the gym as a personal trainer is a feeling called flow. And flow is the psychological explanation for the feeling where time starts to stand still when you're doing something that you are very skilled at and that you enjoy very much. It also has an element of difficulty to it that I could probably talk about for a while, but right now is not that time. But as a personal trainer, it's likely that you've spent over 10,000 hours of time pursuing your own health and fitness. You can go ahead and do the math, but I promise you, you're getting close if you're not there already. What that means for you is that you're at a certain level of mastery for your personal health and fitness. You have a program that you're following, and even if you weren't following a program, you could walk into the gym and go, I'm doing legs today. And a workout would just generate itself in your mind with reps, tempo, time under tension, sets, and even all the coaching tips that you need in order to create and follow through this workout really well. And hell, while you're in the middle of your workout and you're jamming to the music you really love, you might go, you know what, I'm not really feeling that exercise today. I'm going to do a different exercise. And that's totally fine for you because you have 10,000 hours of time pursuing your own health and fitness goals and you're currently in a state of flow. You stamp a big screw you on your forehead, and ask everybody to leave you alone during your me time. That's you. Now let's transition to our average clientele. They don't live in the gym. The word hypertrophy is not an everyday vocabulary word for them. Neuromuscular endurance, autogenic inhibition, the overloading principle, and specific adaptation to imposed demand, all of those things mean mostly nothing to them. The average gym goer is out on the fitness floor, at best following something they googled on the internet, and maybe not knowing if they're doing it right, and at worst, completely confused about what the heck it is they're supposed to be spending their gym time doing. And if you don't believe me, go talk to them. Ask them what their workout program looks like. You don't even have to approach them with the heart of lead generation. You can literally just say, hey, I'm taking a poll. Want to know what your current workout program looks like? Where are you getting your information? Are you writing your own programs? What's Thursday look like for you? How much rest are you getting between your workouts? And what's your split look like? Chances are they have no idea what the heck you're talking about. And if they do, it's very amorphous and not very well put out, unless they are already working with a trainer. What's my point in all this? Are our potential clients stupid? Nope, not at all. Not at all. What I'm saying is that you cannot project how you feel about your workouts onto the people who you are looking to help because they're not in the same place you are. They don't usually know what it's like to experience a flow state in the gym. And it's very unlikely that if you approach them during a rest period, they're going to rip their headphone out of their ear and say, what the heck is wrong with you? I was really in the zone. And again, if you don't believe me, go try it out. 
Now don't talk to somebody who's in the middle of their squat set or doing sprint intervals on the treadmill. Talk to people when they're obviously resting. Maybe they're chit-chatting with a buddy. Maybe they're foam rolling. Maybe they're waiting between sets. Or scrolling on social media while they're sitting on a piece of selectorized equipment. Those are my favorite people to pick on, just for the record. So that's the first piece of your fear of interrupting. Please stop projecting how you feel about your workouts onto the people who you need to go talk to. You'll never know until you go talk to them, and it's been my experience that the vast majority of gym goers are very open to an approach by anybody interrupting their workout because somebody hasn't lectured them about how important rest periods are in a periodized workout program. The other thing I need you to know about the fear of interrupting is that most of the clients that I've worked with in my career in the last 13 years would tell you that Alex Van Houten changed their life. Think about that for a second. I, Alex Van Houten, change somebody's life. And without getting too philosophical, I want you to know that change is an interruption. One of my favorite success stories with a client of mine actually started with me walking up to her on the treadmill and saying, hey, how's your workout going? I didn't know it at the time, but she was in a really frustrated place because of her work and how her personal health and fitness was going. She was kind of fuming on the treadmill, just watching a show and trying to burn 300 calories at the same time. She had planned to just come into the gym, burn 300 calories while fuming on the treadmill, and then leave and go home and wallow in her misery. But I interrupted her in the middle of her plans and started a conversation with her about how life was going, how her fitness goals were, and what her big obstacles were right now to feeling accomplished and to feeling like she was making progress, becoming a better version of herself every day. Long story short, we scheduled a session, we worked together, she hired me three times a week, and a year and a half later she'd lost 120 pounds and went and hiked one of her dream hikes, and she credits me with changing her life. Now, I certainly can't take all the credit. You know as well as I do that a good coach is only a small portion of the equation. While we work to bring out what our clients can actually accomplish in themselves, we just inspire, motivate, and keep that accountable. But I will say that I will take credit for interrupting her workout that day because changing a life is an interruption. And if I had not worked up the courage to go find out for myself whether or not I was interrupting somebody's workout, or if that was just something that I didn't want other people to do with me, then I can almost guarantee that my client would be in a very different place than she is right now, and it certainly wouldn't be better. So my question, and maybe even my challenge to you, is with regard to the fear of interrupting, will you have the courage to go initiate change in somebody's life? It's very likely that you won't be interrupting their workout in a bad way, but let's say you do interrupt a few people's workout in a bad way. Is it worth that? Is it worth it to you to face those situations with courage and poise while you seek out the situations where your interruption can be somebody else's positive life change? And so there you have part one of overcoming your fear in lead generation. We covered the fear of rejection and we covered the fear of interrupting today. Next time you hear me cover this topic in part two, we're going to talk about the fear many trainers have about not being able to help somebody once they start a conversation. Maybe they ask a question that you don't know the answer to, or maybe their goals has nothing to do with your area of expertise. And then the other fear, which is the fear of appearing like a salesman or saleswoman. We got in this business to help people. And lead generating often can make us look like all we care to do is sell you something when nothing could be further from the truth, as most trainers are the most genuine people I've ever met. So I'm excited to cover those two fears with you next time. Until then, fear is a great thing. If you can face the rejection and possible interruptions with courage, you just might change somebody's life. 
Go get them. Kick butt. Take names. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 